As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, Champions League on Valentine's Day. A big night of romance for Bayern. 11 romance who are playing for Lazio. Elsewhere, Real Sociedad met their match in Paris, while Leipzig brought a rose along for their affair with Real. That's their manager, Marco, and maybe got shafted. We'll look back on the big calls and big goals and ahead to this Premier League weekend with Luton Man United, Man City, Chelsea and much, much more. Plus, beach soccer with Jack Lang. It's the Totally Football Show. Listen, it's Thursday the 15th of February. We've got Tom Williams on board today. Tom, hello. Hello, James. All right. Jack Lang. Hi. Hi, Jack. Hi, James. Good to see you back. Thanks. James Horncastle. Hello. All right. Woo! Listener, how are you? Hmm. Good. Oh, Tom, uh, it's the 15th of February today. It is indeed. It's a big day. It can only mean one thing. It's the <laughs> publication day for the updated version of Do You Speak Football? Do Hooray. you speak football? I like is. to say, do you speak football? Or is it, do you speak football? <laughs> I've never. Do you know what? I've never thought about it. Maybe how, I've, how been, would, like, well, this is the one, I've been getting it wrong all this time. Emphasize there. If you're picking this up on the YouTube channel, Tony Football Show, do you speak football? Yeah, you play it, but do you speak yeah. it? Do you speak it. What would Yoda say? Speak. <laughs> yeah, no. But um, <laughs> yeah. The, no. So Tom, seven years on from the best-selling debut of this incredible term. The debut, yes. Yes, it's it been is. revised and fully updated. Yes, yeah, so revised What's and new? fully updated. There are eighty new entries Ooh. from all around the world, um, and a delightful forward. I was just uh, going to say, there's a new forward as well. By Mr. Clarence Sadoff. Or is it new? <laughs> it has been. It's been in the pipeline for a little while. This forward, but it has finally seen the light of of day as of today. And it is a lovely piece of writing. And it is basically his account of his linguistic journey. As a footballer, um, Clarence Adolf, who of course is one of the most noted and notable. Oh, you've also got a forward from Goethe. His is shorter. Yeah, yeah it was true. it was harder to pin Goethe down, <laughs> time wise. <laughs> what, what with his it's, status, it's, yeah. his, his publi- publicist, a, a long nightmare. deceased yeah. man. This is literally a forward by Clarence Adolf. That's amazing. Mm. I mean, he does speak something like something obscene, like six languages. Mm. So he's is he well up placed. there with Lukaku because Lukaku, like Lukaku's up there as well. Yeah, how yeah. many has he got? 
think he claims. Well, it's between six and eight. Ooh. I think. Seven then, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think he speaks some Congolese dialect. Okay. Or something. Mm -hmm. He was showing his support for Congo mm. during the African Cup of Nations. I think I'm right in saying that. But yeah, anyone else? I mean, what's the most obscure place where you've got something for the book? Um, I mean, most of the countries that are profiled are countries with some kind of football heritage. Okay. Uh, but there are some random ones. There's, a, there's a, um, a term from Papua New Guinea for a nutmeg. And in Papua New Guinea, uh, an alternative name for a nutmeg is a wankina. And a kina is the currency in Papua New Guinea. And the coin has a little hole there you go. in the middle of it. So they're yeah. kind of the polo mint Well, most equivalent. expressions for nutmeg make a lot more sense than nutmeg does. Yes, which remains shrouded in a degree shrouded. of mystery to this day. Mm. And consequently, it makes it quite an unsatisfying etymology to probe into. But, you know, thankfully, all the other countries of the world that have seen fit to name nutmeg yeah. have been slightly, you know, slightly Probably more kind of illustrative kind of anal mm. analogous kind of yeah. similes. West, West Ham Kamsa Wahid. West Ham 5-1. Is this, is this from Egypt? Is this... What's that mean? So I'm, I'm now enthralled by Tom's book. But hang on, when you say West Ham Kamsa Wahid, what does that mean? So in November 1966, yes. West Ham arrived in Cairo for a hotly anticipated friendly game against Zamalek. West Ham had three World Cup winners in their ranks. Of course, they won the World Cup. Uh, before the game, they went sightseeing. Oh, God, this is amazing. Um, I would have thought you would have just picked out a word. Did they discuss. invert the pyramid? <laughs> anyway, uh, Zamalek win 5-1. Right. And there was joyous pitch invasion at the final whistle. Right. In the years that followed... Yeah, don't... If you want to know more, listeners, <laughs> buy... Do you book. speak by now? Excellent. Yeah. Brilliant. I hadn't thought of leaving people on a cliffhanger, mm. but James has just done the, done the job for me, so yeah. thanks very much. No, brilliant. And there's did plenty more where that same, came from. Uh, did they get to the pyramids way before Jonathan Wilson? No. I mean, okay. if well, they were there in 66, then almost certainly, yes. Almost certainly. Wow, nice one, Tom. Congratulations. Thank you. What have we got today for you? Loads, actually. Uh, there was the Champions League over the last couple of nights. James, we were doing highlights for Michael Owen last night. Uh, highlights which involved Tuesday, Man City going to Copenhagen and winning 3-1. Real Madrid having a narrow and controversial 1-0 victory at Leipzig. Both Real and Man City continuing their perfect record so far in the Champions League this season, 7-7. Seven seven. On Wednesday then, Paris Saint-Germain spent an hour being outplayed by Real Sociedad but ended up 2-0 winners, while in Rome, Lazio beat Bayern Munich 1-0. Triumph for Sarri's beleaguered Lazio side, currently 7th in Serie A, for Bayern, really unthinkable. After Saturday's 3-0 humbling by Bayer Leverkusen, that's now two straight games without a goal, and the growing prospect of them having their first trophyless season in over a decade. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Guarda l'arbitro ora, arriva il fischio, parte immobile, immobile, rete! L'ha spiazzato! Ciro immobile, l'artista del gol, il re del gol, il signore del gol, il gol in persona! There you go, that's some material for volume three, eh, Tom? Yeah. Right, an entire chapter Lord on of that. the goal. A lot of energy for a penalty as well. Well, it was a penalty against Bayern Munich. This is true. And uh, well, I, we'll talk about Bayern very shortly. I Rafa, Rafael Honigstein's written a great piece on theathletic.com about state of things at, at Bayern and where they went wrong. But Lazio, James, greatest night in, in how long for the, the Laziali? 
A long time. I mean, you have to go back to the turn of the century to find their last knockout stage win in the Champions League. That was against Valencia. Seba Veron scored in a 1-0 win. And different times. Different times when Lazio were a kind of star-studded team that could spend with the big, big boys. Much more straightened circumstances ever since their current owner, Claudio Lotito, came in because he rescued them from bankruptcy and has always kind of run them on a very prudent basis. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose even that win against Valencia, Valencia are a big club that back in the early 2000s, what, reached a couple of Champions League finals. But in terms of one of the genuine European aristocrats, they haven't had a win like this. I'd say ever in this competition. Yeah. You know, I think in Europe you're probably looking at like finest moments since they won the Cup Winners' Cup in 98-99 at Villa Park. But I mean, usually when someone like Bayern comes to town, I mean, last time they visited, they beat Lazio 4-1. The time before that, they were taking on Roma, they beat them 7-1. And the way the first half began, you thought maybe Bayern were going to be comfortable here and bounce back nicely from, from the Bayern defeat at the weekend... They did have chances. They didn't have any shots on target in the entire game, though. And it was Lazio who, with their forays upfield, began to look the more threatening. In the end, it took a penalty for them to score, as we just heard, with Chido Immobile, uh, when uh, Dio Obamacano was, uh, was sent off for clattering in on Gustav Isaacson's ankle, and Chido Immobile did the business. Yeah, as he so often does. I mean, at the weekend, he scored his 200th goal in Serie A, joined the 200 club, which there are only eight players in that club, the likes of Roberto Baggio, Francesco mm. Totti, and that sort of thing. And he has shown some of the form that had began to desert him because at 33, his body started to break down. Didn't help that in the spring of last year, whilst he was driving through Rome, a tram yeah. careened into his car he emerged unscathed, but he'd kind of been having a lot of injuries anyway. Mm. And so Sarri had been saying, look, this guy just doesn't score in back-to-back -back games anymore. And yet he's now scored in his last three games. His record in the Champions League, you know, for all of his haters out there, is 13 goals in 11 games uh, for Dortmund and Lazio. And he's only played three seasons in this competition. So if you think maybe he would have a higher profile mm. or maybe his profile would be different from the one that this is a guy who scores loads of goals in Italy but doesn't do it for his country, doesn't do it in European competitions. Well, actually, if, Think you, again. if you look at his record in, in group stage Champions League games and now knockout stages, it's fairly good. It's consistent with his Serie A record. Mm. He got the goal and at the other end, Lazio stopped, as I mentioned, by Munich having a single shot on target. Yeah, again, I mean, Lazio last season, 21 clean sheets. Goalkeeper was the goalkeeper of the year, but the goalkeeper didn't have to make a save. He didn't even have to pop up the other end and score an equaliser as he did against Atletico on match day one. I think it probably speaks to the moment that Bayern are experiencing. Thomas Muller, after the game, it was quite funny on Italian TV. He was sort of, not railing against, but he was saying, ah, just Italian teams, eh? This is what they do. They just sit back. You know, play seven in defence and have a couple of players up to counter on you and and that's what happens. But I don't know, I think Bayern, as listless as they were, will have three weeks to sort this out. Mm. Um, it's just whether this is just a blip or it's something deeper which is irreversible. Um, so, But it's amazing to think that only a week ago 
people still held Bayern as a contender for this. For many, they were people's third favourites, weren't they, after City and Real Madrid to win the Champions League. So as much as they've lost to Leverkusen and everyone's got that as hindsight now, it doesn't really take away from Lazio beating them, I don't think. Mm. They, they did make some big chances. I mean, Harry yeah. Kane misses a bit of a sitter early on. Musiala puts one over the bar. So it wasn't like, you know, they weren't... Obviously, the headline in terms of buying is zero shots on target. Mm. But I think that was more to do with wayward finishing than necessarily, you know, creating opportunities for themselves. But nonetheless, mm. well, you can lose 1-0. You can have two games without scoring. But not if you're buying Munich, I think. Someone and call Chabi Alonso. <laughs> well, somebody probably has, as Raf was saying the other day. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of Harry Kane memes being well, prepared. That's just unfair. It is he, unfair. He seemed very sanguine afterwards. And as you say, James, three weeks from now, things could look so very different. Mm. No upper Meccano, though, of course, when they... Uh, but they've got they so him. many centre-backs. I mean, I was speaking to Raf on the radio last night, mm. and Raf was saying Bayern have got injuries, you know, we can't play Serge Gnabry, we haven't got... Kingsley Coman, it's like, yeah, but you've got Leroy Sane and Musiala. Mm. And likewise, if it's not Eric Dyer who comes in for Upamecano, it's mm. Matthijs de Ligt. Mm. So, I mean, it's not bad options to have, is it? If they're um, either got suspensions or injuries, it's one of the deepest squads. And as Sarri was pointing out, we've beaten a team tonight that turned over 800 million last year. Nice. So Nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we're all interested to see just how how much gas there is in this Bayern explosion or implosion or whatever. But the other game on Wednesday night, did you see? Paris Saint-Germain, 2-0 winners of Real Sociedad. Now, as I was saying before, the Parisians completely outplayed in the first half. The game really turning on an injury just before the hour to Hamari Traore, who was the man in charge of keeping Kylian Mbappe quiet and had done. And after that, it became... Uh, Takekubo's job to mark him, and how did that go? Well, Tom? it was it was more specifically to do with the corner from which PSG scored, right. in that Mbappe was playing through the centre as he has been since November, um, and uh, Traore, who is uh, Real Sociedad's right back, would have been picking him up at the mm. back post, but Traore had gone off to be treated for an injury, right? Um, and the corner came in from the right. Marquinhos glances it on. And so it, Kubo starts off next to Mbappe like, I know my job. Kubo I, is within Mbappe's vicinity and yeah. looks like he's just allowed him to run off the back of him. Well, he um, walks forward. He just like wanders off. Yeah, he's not quite as attentive as he perhaps should have been. But I think perhaps on some level he thought, well, he's not my man. There's a plan for this and it doesn't involve me. So I'm not you know, going to bother about what Mbappe right. is doing. So Mbappe kind of darts in and, and finishes at the back post. And... That was the moment at which PSG took control, right. at which the life kind of went out of, of, of Real Sociedad's game. Um, I think PSG had been slightly better since the start of the second half. Luis Enrique apparently let rip in the changing room at half-time. Mm. Um, and I think the thing that had irked him the most was PSG's lack of bravery on the ball in the first half mm. because Real Sociedad pressed them very aggressively, as they as they do to everyone, and PSG aren't used to that. And PSG really struggled with it. And I think one of the things that will probably make it very difficult for PSG to go much further in the Champions League this season is that they're not a team that knows how to play through aggressive presses because they're not used to coming up against that in Ligue 1. 
and their players aren't necessarily all that well suited to it. And Luis Enrique made the slightly curious decision to start with Luca Beraldo, 20-year-old Brazilian centre-back, mm. at left-back mm. and leave Lucas Hernandez, who won the World Cup with France, playing at left-back on the bench, which no one really understood and which didn't really work out because Beraldo was was pretty poor in possession and struggled quite a lot with with Kubo. Um, but PSG started playing slightly further up the pitch in the, in the second half. Vitinha kind of dropped into a deeper role to kind of help them pick their way through the Real Sociedad press. And then the, the Mbappe goal just sort of seemed to take the wind out of Real Sociedad's sails altogether. Mm. Um, and, and PSG end up adding a second goal through Bradley Barcola and, and winning relatively comfortably, despite having been you know, pretty poor in the first half. Okay, obligatory banter question. It's PSG. Is 2-0 enough for a second leg? I mean, it's PSG is almost certainly not. Um, but I think the the thing that's worth bearing in mind with PSG this season, mm. and I enjoy watching PSG humiliate themselves in the Champions League as much as the next man, right. but this is a different, you know, this is a different stage to the PSG project. Right. Um, 17 games unbeaten. But. Yeah, I mean, you know, their, their current form is, is decent. But you look at the changes that the squad underwent last summer. Messi left, Neymar left, Sergio Ramos left, all sorts of other more experienced players left. And they, they brought in um, this new, younger, more French core of players. And I was... You know, talking to someone from PSG on Monday, and this has been sort of the kind of message from the club since the start of the season, the Champions League is not an obsession anymore. Mm. It's all about finding a new identity, putting smiles back on people's faces, playing exciting football. And if we go far in the Champions League, then great. But if we don't, it's fine. Of course, everyone still thinks of PSG as this team that is desperate to win the Champions League. And they, are, they obviously are desperate to win the Champions League. But this is a very different kind of team to the one that we've seen you know, having its pants pulled down in the Champions League in recent seasons. Right. So I suspect, particularly having gone out in the last 16 in each of the last two seasons, mm. I think if they get through to the quarterfinals, which they probably should now, mm. they're going to win the league. That will probably be seen as a pretty respectable first oh, yeah. season for Luis Enrique. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, depending Sausage on the circumstances of it, if it's yeah. another remontada, if it's another meltdown, then all the old, you know, headlines and memes will, will resurface. Looking at Sociedad's form, which is in stark contrast to the Parisians, it... Uh, Remontada does seem unlikely. They've failed to score in any of the last five matches now. Do you know the last time that happened, James? I know you're a big Basque football aficionado, but it was between February and March of 1973. Is that right? Yeah. Dave Ray uh, gave us that Dave Ray. yesterday. We didn't Stat use it. Stat man Dave Ray. Yeah. They, were, they were really like lacking a, a sharp edge, I thought. So Kubo was really kind of pi pioneering down the right. But Andre Silva scored one goal all season. Oof in the Copa del Rey and oh. I think it was, I think it was his first Champions League game and he looks you know I think probably Champions League is a level above him at this stage I think he uh, hasn't really done much since he's gone there mm. Tuesday oof controversy ahoy as Leipzig took on Real Madrid in Germany Real Madrid scoring the only goal of the game a brilliant solo slalom effort from Brahim Diaz uh, in the 48th minute Lovely, mm, lovely yes, goal. Yes. Yeah, sensational goal. Yeah. yeah. Particularly, yeah. he could have gone down three times. Like yeah, there were nice. three fouls on him, essentially, and staying up. Yeah, really nice. And then he did the Bellingham celebration, you know, in honour of his uh, English teammate who he's essentially standing in for. However, rewind back to the second minute of the game, and it was Leipzig who thought they'd taken the lead when Benjamin Chesko 
headed in. However, another Benjamin, Benjamin Heinrich. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. It's all about the Benjamins, yeah. It was uh, adjudged a bit. Well, he was in an offside position, and he had previously given uh, Lunin, the Real Madrid keeper, a bit of a tap in the back, essentially motioning him in the wrong direction to deal with Chesco's header. And so the goal was called back. This Heinrich manoeuvre <laughs> um, stuck in the home side's throat, ironically <laughs> enough. And there were a lot of people saying, well, it's Real Madrid getting favours and stuff. But we've, we've been over this, James. We're, we're pretty happy with the VAR decision. By the letter of the law, yeah. Yeah. Because by pushing the goalkeeper, regardless of the force applied, mm. he, he becomes active. Yeah. He is interfering with play. So yep. I don't really see the problem with this. Yeah. And Sesco, it's not like he had one chance. You know, he had six shots within the box. Just happened that Real Madrid's third choice goalkeeper, Andre Lunin, who'd saved a penalty, mm. or maybe a couple of penalties in the group stages, again shows, ah, that Kepa guy you loaned from Chelsea, you don't need him to fill in for Courtois. I'm your guy. Uh, nine saves. Nine First saves. time a Real Madrid goalkeeper's done that since Courtois in that Champions League final when Sergio Ramos suplexed Mo Salah um, and Madrid won. So impressive, as is Madrid's ability to play through all of these injuries and suspensions that yeah. they have. Because you mentioned Brahim. Not only was it a magnificent goal, but the way he stepped up, Bellingham has missed five games this season. And Brahim's played in his place in those games, and he scored four goals in that time. Chumaini slotting in at the back as well. Yeah. And then keeping a clean sheet. All very impressive, but well, just a narrow lead to take to the, uh, the Bernabeu in three weeks' time. James? Well, only to say that Ancelotti, he's associated with winning the Champions League more than any coach. But since his kind of Christmas tree at AC Milan, no one really thinks of him as having a tactical identity. But he does all these things all of the time, which I think people just take for granted. Like you mentioned Chouamini playing as a sort of centre-back. And okay, it's a makeshift thing. But you also think last season, sometimes this season, Camavinga, again, having to play as a left-back. He doesn't have a striker. And so, you know, he finds a way of... Yeah, he finds a workaround, which is Bellingham, which is going better than anybody expected. Turned Lucas Vasquez into a right-back for many years. Yeah. So... Yeah, Carlo just does all of this kind of very... I wouldn't say it's under the radar because it's Real Madrid, but he rarely comes up when people talk about, you know, sort of tactical trends and that mm. sort of thing. But man management and coping with these sort of quote-unquote crises, he's incredibly smooth. Mm. Helps when you have that squad, of course. Yeah, but it's, yeah. A, it's a squad that's transitioning and people forget. I mean... Benzema's gone, Ronaldo's gone, Bale's gone, Modric is on the bench, Ramos is gone. But they are consistently acquiring the kind of most exciting young yeah, midfielders, we, mostly from. But we've seen game. Chelsea do that, and Chelsea's. Yeah. You know, mm. Chelsea, it doesn't yeah, work. Mm. So and it's quite innovative what he's done in terms of the way that the team has been reshaped since Benzema left, in that your main source of goals is, is like an attacking number 10 where at, at the tip of a diamond midfield with two wingers uh, ahead of him. There aren't many other mm. like major European clubs playing like that. I guess no one could have anticipated, I don't know, or perhaps Ancelotti did, quite how prolific uh, Jude Bellingham would, would, would prove to have been. But on paper, there were no guarantees that it would work mm. as well as it, it has done. And it works so well that even when there are multiple players missing, they still, you know, still get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. What are they, five points clear at the top of La Liga? Something like that. 
Anyway, uh, also midweek in the Champions League, you had Man City away in Copenhagen. We'll come on to that next. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Nunes, Foden, De Bruyne, and Foden. Manchester City have their two-goal cushion to take back to Manchester, and it's the in-form Phil Foden who gets the third in Copenhagen. People think it's easy, Pep said after this game. It was not. Asked Bayern Munich and Galatasaray and Man United how easy Copenhagen are. They are really, really tough opponent. <laughs> what did you make of Man City's performance at Parken? Extremely impressive um, and very much a continuation of how they've been playing in recent weeks. This sense that they are in ominous and very familiar fashion, just, you know, gradually building up ahead of steam. Mm. Um, the, the the one sort of um, kind of fortunate element to the game from a neutral perspective was that City looked like they were going to just absolutely steamroller Copenhagen. Kevin De Bruyne puts them ahead. Uh, after 10 minutes, and they gifted Copenhagen a goal. Edison with a sort of misplaced pass, um, and, and Magnus Matson curls in an equaliser from the edge of the box. And so, as a consequence, you know, it puts City on the back foot. Bernardo Silva restores the lead. Lovely goal with the outside of the left foot, right on half time. But they had to work a little bit harder than they would have done had it not been for them gifting <laughs> their opponents a goal. Mm. Um, and it was only in stoppage time that De Bruyne and Foden combine for a really nicely worked goal for Foden that you thought, OK, the scoreline now comes somewhere close to reflecting City's dominance because they were superb right from the off. And, you know, were, were it not for that fluffed kick by Edison, they probably would have won that by, you know, four or five goals, I think. Mm. Um, An injury to Jack Grealish, who was uh, making his first start in uh, six games, was uh, the other disappointment along with that goal conceded. Uh, City have Chelsea next... Pretty ambivalent stuff from Guardiola on Grealish. Like, oh, know, really? Yeah, he's kind of referencing. He said he's, he's been better in training the last few days. Uh. Yeah, it's, it's a very strange season for Grealish, isn't it? Like he's, it feels like he's all got, it's all gone a bit Calvin Phillips for him recently. Can't seem to get into the team for love nor money. Mm. And he gets a rare start. And I mm. thought it was, you know, it was a sign that perhaps Guardiola still considers Grealish you know, the man for the big occasion because mm. you know, last season in the Champions League he, he started every game and we know that Guardiola likes the sort of control that Grealish brings to the way that City progressed the ball. So, you know, he got his chance and then, yeah, he gets injured and, um, yeah, I'm not, they've not said yet, have they, how long he's going to be out for, but um, obviously a setback. Obviously a setback. So, Chelsea at the weekend. Let's let's come on to then the, uh, the Premier League fixtures that await. They're going to be taking on Pochettino's side, the reverse fixture of that was argue, was one of the games of the season. You recall the 4-4 mid-November at Stamford Bridge? Cole Palmer with that 
ice cold 95th minute penalty to rescue a point against his former side. Woof. Yeah, and so unexpected as well. Like all the more enjoyable for just coming out completely out of left field. Not just because Chelsea have been, you know, pretty bad, but City have a great record against Chelsea mm. recently. Like won all the previous games, and yeah, I mean the Cole Palmer, the Cole Palmer situation is it doesn't really hurt City because they've got so many players. But I think if it was any other team having sold a player as good as that to a rival, I think they would be kicking themselves, or at least there would be a massive inquest. City are a bit insulated against all that because you know they've got a lot of other good players and you imagine they've got such a good reputation with the decisions they make right. selling players at the right time buying players at the right time that uh yeah they can probably they have leeway to make a, a slight gaff here and mm. there and it'd still be a positive balance sheet but yeah I, I, i'd be very surprised if chelsea could Stun them again, even if you know we have, they have had the odd good result recently. Well, this week Chelsea are coming into their rematch with Man City on the back of two straight wins, just as they were, in fact, when they met back in November. And people were probably thinking then that maybe they'd turn the corner. This time around, their latest victories come Monday night in that late, late victory away at Crystal Palace. And it was a game, Tom that symbolised many of the issues that Chelsea have had this season, completely outplayed in the first half, didn't have a single shot on target, and then kind of Conor Gallagher continued his exceptional week and got things going. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, and I think that, you know, what happened in stoppage time, uh, I mean, we've said this quite a few times about Chelsea, is this the moment when they yeah. sort themselves out and the answer up to now has been, oh, actually, no, it is, it's not been. But... You know, they go into this game off the back of that really impressive win away at Aston Villa mm. in the FA Cup, which no one saw coming. And they were brilliant against Villa. And OK, this is a Villa team that is now starting to creak a little bit. You know, Unai Emery not rotating very much. Players are coming to injury. But nonetheless, not many teams who've you know gone to Villa Park and, and won so comfortably. Um, and, you know, it was a rare example of you know, Chelsea playing well against a, a, another good team. And then, yeah, you you know, with the score sort of poised at 1-1 heading into stoppage time at Crystal Palace, it was like, well, you know, this is an, another backward step against a kind of an ailing Palace team. Um, but yeah, Conor Gallagher pops up, gets his second goal of the game. Enzo Fernandez takes a very nicely sort of delayed strike, sort of cuts inside Daniel Munoz as he slides past, waits, and then just sort of dinks it top left. And, and Chelsea get, you know, Chelsea get the win. And yeah, it just means that you know they they go into this this game at, at City with a, a a little bit more forward momentum, but then they are so flaky. You know, they they went into um, you know that that Villa game having shipped eight goals in two games at mm. Liverpool and then at home at Wolves, and it's those games against Wolves that I think really point to the kind of lack of substance at the heart of this Chelsea team. Occasionally they produce a really impressive performance, but there is just a kind of a vulnerability there. So, yeah, I mean, obviously City huge favourites, but uh, at least Chelsea have, have shown signs in the last two games that you know they are capable of, of, of doing things occasionally. All right, they're top off, up in 10th place. As for City, who are two points off the top, you'll recall, with a game in hand. Uh, their rivals this week, uh, Liverpool are at Brentford... Hey, Liverpool are yet to win at the GTEC Stadium and have conceded three goals on each of their two visits there so far. Plus, Brentford have Ivan Tony back and he's scored three in his four matches since his long-awaited return. So, 
That's going to be a key game, perhaps. That one's happening early on Saturday, 12.30. Saturday at 3 o'clock, you've got Burnley hosting Arsenal, who are level on points with Man City. Burnley have won one of their last 17 meetings with Arsenal, who themselves are on a four-straight win, uh, or a four-consecutive match-winning streak. So, yeah. And then, at tea time, you've got Man City-Chelsea. All very exciting. Quite rare to have the, the three biggies all mm. playing on Saturday and mm. all at different times. It's nice for the, nice, isn't the it? dramaturgy. Is that the new big six, the three biggies? That, yeah, you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> it's in it's Do it, You it, Speak Football it is in by <laughs> Tom Williams. So we're all going to have to adopt it now, <laughs> if that's all right. We're going to be moving on to some of the less biggies when we come back after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Football Content Awards International Podcast of the Year. It's the 15th of February. Not only is it publication day for Do You Speak Football, but it's also the anniversary, did you know, the anniversary of the first ever managerial sacking in the Premier League. It was 15th of February 1993 that Chelsea called uh, in Porterfield in and said, whatever it is you say when you dismiss people. It's not. You, it's me. Is that? Yeah. He'd had 11 matches without a win, so possibly it was him. Uh, Blues legend David Webb took over. He lost it to the end of the season when Glenn Hoddle became the man at Stamford Bridge. Very nice. 15th of February. They got all the way to 15th of February without a single manager being sacked. It's a more innocent age. Cowards. I mean, do you think it would have gone that season? Because that was the season in City A when I think that uh, certainly at least one manager had been fired even before the season began. I think it was Gigi Dadici got the, the heave-ho before. But yeah, anyway, this season, having said that, is a bit of an outlier in that we've only had two so far in the Premier League, Steve Cooper and uh, Paul Heckingbottom. Yeah. Yeah. Chelsea have quietened down. It's... Yeah. I mean, we have had an announcement that Jurgen Klopp is leaving. Yeah, that's true. Which... Hey, the two clubs who have decided to make a change so far are Sheffield United and Forest. Neither of them has had much of a bounce. Forest are 16th. They're only two points off the bottom three. The Blades are still bottom, but coming off a big, big win last weekend against Luton. They take on Brighton this time around. Now, I know we're not much in the business of previewing things, because you know, why not wait a couple of days and just find out? But I'm intrigued by this match. And particularly by what Deserby's up to there. Will he be back from his invasive dental surgery for a well, start? Well, he was back. Yeah. Because he hosted a lot of docents, a lot of students, sorry, mm. from Coveciano this week, oh, nice. the Italian Ivy League coaching school. Um, and it's like a who's who of 
journeyman midfielders of sort of mid 2000s Serie A. So he put on this big lecture for them. Um, I've got a list actually of, of the people who attended. So just like all of a sudden Gatwick was descended upon by all of these sort of, you know, sort of Italian guys that you may or may not have heard of. There was, Give us some names. Come on. So there was, do you remember the Argentine guy who played for Lazio, Christian Ledesma? Oh, mm-hmm. Of course. Marco Parolo. Ibrahim Barr was nice. in town. Yeah. There was also uh, Guglielmo Stendardo, who's also mm-hmm. got a law degree. Giampiero yeah. uh, Pinzi. So they all descended on Brighton, hopefully in fancy ah. dressed as a kind of stag do. The other person who was there, yeah. Alessandro Del Piero. Was he? Yeah. Really? So there you go. So, you know, Roberto deserved be taking time out of match planning for this right. game to mentor, mentor some top midfielders. Interesting. Did he touch on why his Brighton have equally only had four wins in the last 18 games? I don't know. I don't know. James, I know you, I mean, you're a big fan of Roberto De Zerbi, and, uh-huh. and rightly so, because what a wonderful way, what, what wonderful football he's given us at Brighton and, and, and you know, Sassuolo before. and yeah. But have to, this period that he's going through with Brighton now, is, this, is, it, is there an analogous spells at his previous clubs? Is this something that happens with him? Uh, oh, it definitely is. Mm. And What happens after it? Does he get binned or does he... No, I mean, he... He hasn't been sacked, I don't think, since Palermo. Hmm. Because he left Shakhtar when Vladimir Putin decided to invade Ukraine. He left Sassuolo for Shakhtar. And he left Benevento for Sassuolo. Because hmm. he almost kept Benevento up. So, yeah, his last dismissal was when he was at Palermo under Maurizio Zamperini, who, if I recall, sacked 31 managers in 17 years in Sicily. Much missed so, yeah. um, But yeah, so he does go through this, uh, these runs. And I don't think we've seen this in England yet. But when he goes on these runs in Italy, it creates this kind of culture war where you've got proper football men mm. in TV studios saying, why is he passing it out from the back? Mm. Just hoof it. Stop it with these silly passing patterns and that sort of thing. Gets you nowhere. And disappointed that in Italy that happens as well. <laughs> who, who are the proper football yeah. in Italy? People like Fabio Capello. Mm. Because there are still people who stand for what they stand for operating in Serie A. So Max Allegri, mm. for example. And then Jose recently. They would say, oh, look at Jose. He's won a trophy. Mm. Now, what's Roberto ever done? Yeah, and that well. sort of thing. So he is like a... He's an incredible trigger, this mm. Erdby, within right. Italian the Taylor football. Swift of... of, of Football management and does does Taylor Swift? I mean, there are no conspiracy theories right, about right. Roberto yet. Possibly, it's not the best. No, example, no, no. no. But it's reassuring to know that those debates also take place in Italy, mm. and I it's it not depressing. just in this country. Because I know if I was in Italy and there's a yeah. non-Italian speaker and watching the TV and seeing someone like Fabio Capello angry, angrily gesticulating, I'd probably say to myself, "Oh, they're probably discussing some tactical specificity about the positioning mm. of the number six's feet when he receives the ball." But actually, if it's just the exact same thing that you hear from Tim Sherwood on Soccer Saturday, then yeah, what, I kind what, of feel, I feel like we're we're kind of like on yeah. a, a level level footing. Capello what? has like two bugbears. Which, like, mm. you can watch him talk about any game. And he, he now comes in as, like, a Champions League pundit. And all he says is, wow, isn't European football so much better than Serie A? And the examples he gives, they're always, always refereeing in European football is just so much better. Because they blow their whistle less. Mm. You know, so they let the game flow 
Whereas in Italy, you've got these refs who are just always breaking up play every five seconds and it creates a very slow dynamic. And, you know, everyone outside of Italy thinks it's the coaches who are behind the slow pace in Serie A. But no, it's those guys in black, right. those referees. Yeah, we saw the way that Fabio Capello's football was electric <laughs> once he was free from the confines of Serie well, to, A to be fair, his mm. first season at Milan, mm. they scored... Yeah, they had Van Basten, Hullit, and uh, Rijkaard, And then in the second season, go look at, go yeah. look at that. Yeah. But, um, and then, yeah, dribbling. dribbling. Don't, they don't coach it anymore. No. Or, or it's not that they don't coach it, they just don't produce it anymore. Yeah. Because they're, they're all watching, they're not watching beach football like Jack is. Is Jack where... watching beach? Jack, have you started the beach football? Uh, it's just I'm about, just to, start, about to start, isn't it? Just about to start the stream, So, okay, yeah. Jack, you're going to be following the beach football World Cup. Well, that may be slightly overblowing what I'm going to be doing. I'm definitely going to be watching the first match. Okay. Uh, which well, is, how it goes. James has said it now, Jack. Which is I'm the USA against Italy. And I'll be writing a piece Are you? Uh, later today on just a kind of potted history of... Beach soccer? Beach soccer. Ooh, what? I bet you've uncovered some little gems and quirks and did-you-knows. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I will leave a lot of them to my piece, but one thing I do like is... What? Top five nation in the world in the men's game, Switzerland, which what? of course doesn't have any beaches. Wow, isn't that ironic? Yeah. Okay. Why um, is that? Have you done the four thousand yeah. word article? I'm about afraid they, I only had about they, six hours to research. Did they twenty years ago build this. a whole series of beaches, and so they could just bring up a generation? Of uh, this is just, this is the article I would have written had I known about this more than forty eight hours ago. Okay. Yeah. Are they like Qatar? Is it like Brazilian immigration or something mm. like that, where they've given passports to? to People I mean, from beach, beach countries. Yeah, I'm going to say that could be that. I yeah. still don't know. Yeah. Still don't know. I was thinking the next thing that The Athletic would get you to write about this would be teams that were literally on the beach, not literally on the beach, but teams were on the beach. Mm. You know, are they on the beach yet? Famous teams that have just basically down <laughs> tools and given up. How many early? How, how many nations are playing in the Six, sixteen teams? Sixteen. Yeah. yeah, it's quite democratic as well. Like Tahiti have been semi-finalists twice. Yeah, um, and they they go to some really nice locations. So this is a bit boringly in Dubai. Okay. But next year's edition, I mean, is if I write this, if I uh, if I write this article really well, I'm yeah. looking at Seychelles twenty twenty five. This is what's at stake, Jack. This is why the previously overlooked title of Beach Soccer Correspondent what is about is to beach come into its own. Up on? Uh, it's on the FIFA website. Okay. Which I'm just uh, logging into now. Actually. All right, because uh, Italy USA, the opening game of the tournament, it's just going to get underway. It's the big one. Is uh, Pitbull is he is uh, uh, he finished his pre-tournament? I, opening well, thing because I've been recording this pod I haven't actually seen the so sorry, pre-tournament Jack. fireworks but I'm told that yeah. it's um, it's quite a musical yeah. thing like they're pumping music all the time more than you know normal football right it's proper like show and 16 oh. teams is a much better yeah. number than 48 for example Any you know, other could, could there, there be a future where we spend more time watching beach soccer than actual football I'd love that wouldn't you love that mm. so mm. Uh, you got Seychelles are they in this World Cup they're not Hosts next year. So the reigning champions are Russia and okay. they are cur- currently banned. Are they, are they allowed to play? No. So okay. there will be yeah. a new champion. Uh, Brazil won, I think, 13 of the first 15 tournaments, oh. but have been had a bit of a tougher time recently. Oh, they're mirroring the actual men's Very team. much so. Yeah. Uh, fall from grace. And then, so yeah, the favourites, Brazil are among the favourites. Portugal. Oh, yeah. Iran, funnily enough. Is that right? Thought to be quite good this year. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Russia, okay. though, world champions. That's yeah. Surprising. I mean, I think they've won three of the last six. Okay, 
They, do, they are a lot of beaches in Russia. There's a lot of there? people yeah. in Russia. Sochi, well, they but keep trying to add new ones think. as well. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. But still, I'm surprised. Hey, you yeah. know what? This is a bit of a tangent because we were talking about we were talking about Roberto de Zerbi and Brighton, who also have a beach. I'm sorry, yeah. we were also talking about Fabio Capello's bugbears. Oh, yeah, and it yeah, put yeah. Me in, It put me in mind of one of his bugbears, ah. which I think we might have discussed on the pod at some point. He finds it very distasteful if a man wearing trousers mm. sits down, crosses his legs, mm. and his trouser rides up so high that you can see the some sk- of his skin. Yeah, well, I think he finds know, that repulsive. I think repulsive is strong, <laughs> but I would me. agree that, particularly if you're in a, you know, any kind of formal or broadcast setting, you you don't want to be showing your legs. You don't you want, want to, but I find it. As a man, I find it remarkable that that is like public knowledge yeah, that he yeah, it grinds yeah, his gears to the extent. Era. And okay, yeah, yeah, an Italian man of his generation, He's a I guess you know, you're no more mistaking. you're more into that sort of thing. I know it's contextual, but as a man who's spent his entire career addressing people in shorts. Or you can Perhaps yeah. that's why. <laughs> yeah. I've seen enough thigh. Thank you very much. Man, if your trousers are riding up to your thigh, James, <laughs> well, might I suggest I've something seen. has gone <laughs> badly wrong. Well, indeed. You wouldn't be the first time. Now, uh, Sheffield United Brighton. That's the game that they're playing. Sunday at 2 o'clock. And, uh, yeah, so Deserby, this kind of thing happens with him. He has his way of playing. How well is that going to suit... Sheffield United. Hmm. I mean, they were not expected to win at Luton last weekend, um, which has belatedly breathed a bit of life into their, you know, their battle to avoid the drop and hold themselves out of danger. And Chris Wilder is very much the kind of old school coach who will relish the opportunity mm. to get stuck into a, a fancy than foreign coach like Roberto De Zerbi. Right. Uh, and, you know, as discussed, Brighton's form is, is pretty shaky and they do have this very sort of, you know, dogmatic attachment to the kind of football they play. So Sheffield United, I think we'll see, um, you know, we'll see Brighton as a team that, you know, that, that you can get stuck into because they do they do give and you they, chances. And they did it at the Alex. They took a point off them there, although they also met in the FA Cup at Bramall Lane just three weeks ago. And what's this? Brighton won 5-2. I know you've been turning mm. your blade into the Seagulls, James, over the last mm. couple of minutes by questioning this run. But they the have been on a European run as well, yes. in which yes. they are not in the playoff round nope. that we're commentating on tonight nope. on TNT, yep. which, again, that's no small achievement no. from this Top area. of their group, so they yeah. don't have to go through the massive playoff, mm. which we are looking forward to this evening, starting at 5.30 on TNT and Discovery+. Plus. We'll be bringing you all the goals from 16 matches across Europe. Some pretty diverse locales as well, Tom. With our chums, uh, Rafa and Jules, and also Don Hutchinson yeah. will be in. Anyway, that's, that's later on. The thing is, yeah. is have clearly had so much time to yeah. game plan for no, this. No, you're right. That he's had his mates over from Italy who mm. can mentor. And he, yeah, the players are not playing, so they might be a bit fresher and that sort of thing. So... You know, I'm I'm going with the the seagulls on this, James. All right, good yeah. for you, good for you. Anyway, in a second or two, let's touch on oh some other games coming up this weekend. Everton are playing Palace. Everton in 18th. Burnley host Arsenal. Luton, who are only one point off the drop, hosting Man United. Let's touch on that next. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. 
everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Woo. It was a huge midweek of action in the EFL. Goals galore. Shout out to Nigel Clough's Mansfield in League Two. Beat Harrogate Town 9-2 on Tuesday. Also on Tuesday, that very, very... Very special goal for Hull away at Rotherham. How do you pronounce this fellow's name? Is it Jaden Philogene or Philogene? Philogene. Philogene. Philogene is way better. Right? And given away by Rotherham. Philogene in the penalty area, twisting and turning. He tries to flick it towards goal. What a goal! What a goal by Jaden Philogene! I mean, as someone from Hull, I imagine people from my neck of the woods would say Philogene. No, I mean, that's far too refined. It would be Philurgene, something like that. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, whatever his name is, he scored an absolute worldie. Well, he didn't. He did. They've given it to him now. They have. Yeah, they went back and gave it to him. That's what I heard on Wednesday night. From who? Someone. For Jaden Philurgene himself. I I would like it if, I mean, this this goal has been already... People are saying it should be put forward for the Puskas Award. Mm. And perhaps that is why it's been given to him, Tom. If has it has it been, given, been to given to him, I don't know. Um, but I think but it, wasn't it has going, been. It wasn't Producer, going Charlie. In. Producer Charlie's now confirmed it. I mean, but, it, but it wasn't going into the goal. Well, it, it was just great, though. It would be great, though, if the Puskas Award was given for this goal. But it, it gets given to the guy who it goes in off. So I mean, it's, the, it is his goal. Morally, it's his goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Morally, it is. Yeah. Anyway, it's an own goal. It's, it's I, sorry, goal. this is this is news to me. This well, is, and I, I hereby. I'm with you. This is a. I hereby. You can't give a guy a goal because it would have been good if he'd actually scored it. I mean, it wasn't going in until a defender headed it into the goal. Is that right? It is an own goal because the camera whips across so fast. I've missed that. Really, a defender heads it in. It is. It is. I mean, it is. So he basically takes the defender one way and he falls over. He takes it back the other way. It was reminiscent of that incredible Di Canio goal for for Napoli against Milan back when it. And he essentially sat, I think, uh, Baresi and Costacurta on their bums Mm. because he was he just kind of switched it back and forth so many times and then curled it in. It was reminiscent of that. After which he then Rabona's. I thought it, it in, but it takes a. A massive nick off the defender's head, does it? I mean, a defender heads it in oh. at the back post. I don't know how else to how else to dress this up. And okay, Rabonas are exciting, but they we've seen exciting. players score. They're also quite annoying. Legitimate Rabona goals, and also to be honest, you should really be using your left foot. I mean, it's just a sign yeah. that you know you don't trust your weaker foot. So yeah, actually, so. big, big, uh, big black mark. I'm sorry, I mentioned tonight. it. Also midweek, no, but that's Saints, a scandal. Saints lost the Southampton way. Has reached the oh, end of the road. Yeah, 26 games, I think it was unbeaten. They finally lost. Anyway, ooh, what's happening in the Beach Soccer World Cup, Jack? Uh, Italy currently lead the US 1 0. Whoa! But, but the US, just, US keeper just hit the bar from a goal kick. Really? Yes. Can you do that? Yeah. Do the US have any Italian Americans, you know, like, um, or have the Italians like taken someone like a Giuseppe Rossi? Yeah, or, you know, sort of. So there's no famous names in the Italy side really? but so the US side the US <laughs> this is as far as my research went the US have a guy up front who is I think of Italian origin 
But his main claim to her, he was in Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> what? what? Seriously? It's not Brian Cranston, yeah. is it? It's not Brian Cranston. <laughs> he, uh, like, he just had a cameo. I've never when, seen Malcolm. When he was a kid. But you have seen the Beach Soccer World Cup. Not yet, but I'm uh, looking forward to uh, its delights later on. Also in the Premier League this weekend, at three o'clock on Saturday, you've got the Eddie Howe Classico. Newcastle, Bournemouth, everyone. Fulham are taking on Villa. They're the cottagers, but are they at home with a Villa? I don't know. Uh, Forest will be up against West Ham and Spurs play Wolves. And then on Sunday, Sheffield United, Brighton, we mentioned that. And this Luton Town, Man United. Uh, fixture which whoa, Man United they've had some results four wins in a row Rasmus Hoyland scoring. Rasmus Hoyland five games in the yeah. Premier League he scored in a row it's almost like all that money they paid for him is starting to pay off James it's happening mm. it's happening for Man United isn't it James judging by what you've just said now, yes is it going to happen Sunday 4.30 at Kenilworth Road how will this these group of players react to the, the news that Dan Ashworth, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, might be becoming the new sporting director. Well, you're right. That's uh, very yeah. much the, yeah. the headline from this fixture. Other points of interest include the fact that it's their first league visit to Kenilworth Road in, Tom, 32 years. Mm. Back then, Shakespeare's sister with Stay was just coming to the end of its eight-week stint oh, at, no, at number one. I wasn't what, a, one hit wonders? Shakespeare's sister? No, no. I wasn't a fan anyway. But um, really? of stay, no. It was, was a lovely kind of song. Covered on X Factor by Cher Lloyd. Is that right? I think Cher yes. Lloyd. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, they had a one-one draw with Lee Sharp and Mick Harford. More oh, much misnames from the past. That takes me back. A, Pru- yeah. a Proustian yeah. glimpse into football of yesteryear. The Sharpie Shuffle. Sharpie mm. Shuffle. Mm. Shelab- Celebrations. Right. <laughs> well, celebrations, you think? So, uh, but yeah, Luton, who got done by Sheffield United last time out, looking to bounce back and continue their really exceptional form of late. And uh, I quite fancy them to do it. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, I mean, they had that fantastic win against Brighton, 4 0, which is, I mean, in a season of very surprising results, was one of the most surprising results, even though every now and again the wheels just fall off of Brighton completely and mm. they get stuffed by someone. They're then 4 2 up away at Newcastle Luton, and you think, okay, they're really going places, and Newcastle end up bringing it back to 4 all, and then lose at home to Sheffield United in a game that I think most people saw them winning. So, yeah, that kind of momentum hasn't been a completely smooth upwards line. But again, Kenilworth Road, you know, they do, they do like getting about the the big teams mm. and, and for all that there is a sense of progress at, at United now and Hoyland's scoring goals and Garnacho is, is performing regularly and Kobe Mainu now seems you know nailed on for a starting place potentially a place in the England squad there is still that feeling of you know fragility around United you can't ever be entirely sure that they've really kind of like hit their straps so okay. it'll be Have Wales got a beach soccer uh, team? We have enough we have enough beaches certainly do Some I'm sure we do Mm. Gower Peninsula. What's your favourite Welsh beach, James? Well, I mean, I know a little place called Abersock. Do you know Abersock? Oh, Tom? yes, lovely. Lovely, yeah. But I know that Mumbles and the whole kind of Gower Peninsula area is very highly thought of. Mm. Uh, Spurs playing Wolves uh, Saturday at three o'clock. Sorry, just on that. Wales mm. do not appear to have a beach soccer team. Oh. Is that something you'd be willing to found, Tom? Absolutely. Oh, there's been a goal in the Emirates. It's, in the, Dubai. It, it's, uh, it's the US. They've equalised. No. High turnover and the ball bobbling off the sand and over the Italy keeper. 
Probably wouldn't have gone in on grass. But right. Who's this number eight? What a dreamboat. That's the uh, is, yeah. Rizeki something. Rizende, I think. Okay. Here we go. Mm. Anyway, as I say, Spurs Wolves, Saturday, three o'clock. Did you know that Wolves have won three of the last four meetings with Spurs, including that uh, remarkable game back in November when they were about to lose with time running out, and then this. Last ten seconds of the 90. Fourth official's ready with the board. Gary O'Neill playing ball boy. Throws down the line to Huang. Further on down the line to Cunha. Cunha looking to lift the cross in. Sarabia takes it. Oh! Pablo Sarabia with a stunning finish. Yeah, and then they got another goal after that, and they won 2-1. Extraordinary, extraordinary. Gary O'Neill, your former gym buddy, Jack. Yeah. So... Keep using that one. I'm in. If <laughs> you'd rather be watching your beach soccer, don't worry. <laughs> we'll move Italy on. Just scored. What? And this is quite disorientating for me because I'm seeing Italy at a World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Which has not happened yeah. there. Having Jack watching the game but not tell us what's happening is a bit like tuning into Soccer Saturday, but they're all just quietly watching oh, the game. That would be amazing. I, would, I mean, I'd watch. The goalkeeper's just done like six keepy-uppies and then tried to volley it in from in all his right. own half. Listen, we can all see how this is going. I'm just going to list the rest of the games okay. and leave Jack and say, James we'll to... We'll just do some North Black Country yelping. Yeah. Yeah. Very quickly yeah. on Spurs-Wolves. The remarkable... Spurs stat that they've now scored in 36 league games running, mm. which is the second highest total in Premier League history behind Arsenal in 2001-2002, who scored for 55 games running. Mm. Pretty remarkable because I don't... I mean, obviously, this Spurs team has a lot of very talented attacking players, but I don't think you would think of them as a historically successful attacking force, not least as... At some point during this run, they sold their yeah. greatest ever goal scorer. Yeah. Do you think Kane was on the bus to Leverkusen on Saturday, scrolling through his phone, saw this stat, presumably provided by Opta, and then just froze, and now Bayern have failed to score in their last two games? Do you think some kind of... It's clearly eating him. You know, it's, it's got in there. It's a very, very believable uh, scenario. Uh, Fulham, thanks for that, Tom. Uh, taking on Aston Villa at the same time. Just one win in the last six matches in all competitions for Villa. As you mentioned, things not going quite as smoothly of late for Lots Unai Emery there. No. Mm, They're down to one centre-back, I think. Mm. And that's Pau Torres, who is only just on his own way back from injury. So lost Esri Konza, Diego Carlos and Bubakar Camera this week. Just to Jack. go back to this, there's a... Uh, <laughs> a team stats thing, and one of the stats is overhead kicks. Oh, nice. Possession attempts, uh, zero, zero so zero, far. Zero, zero, okay. Yeah. What about that... attempted width? Do they have attempted width? <laughs> they don't, apex, apex height, height. Apex no, they don't height. have that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this hails from the golden era of our, uh, our BT Sports City Air coverage when the Italians came up with a, a fresh new look at halftime graphics. The whole new set of categories from literally another dimension. <laughs> Um, Good, Nottingham Forest at 3 o'clock Another game you can't see uh, Sees them, or indeed uh, will involve them Taking on West Ham West Ham were winless in 7 matches in all competition Ooh And uh, coming off that spanking by the Gunners They might be in for Chabby Alonso too And Dan Ashworth I don't know Forest are only 2 points off the drop So a lot of drama on that game at 3 o'clock And then also, in that same time slot You've got Newcastle Bournemouth, which is such a shame that we can't watch because we were saying a week ago, games with Newcastle, 
produced on average 5.6 goals per game. Wow. Plus, you've got that whole Eddie Howe angle. He's yet to beat the Cherries since he left them for Newcastle. And three home games without a win for Newcastle that, Is that right? in the league. And it was, you know, Fortress St. James's Park for such a long time. Yeah. There was that stat that since Eddie Howe had taken over as manager, the only teams who'd gone to St. James's Park in the league and won were Liverpool and City. And now everyone's picking up points Everyone. there. All right. Well, will the Cherries? That's a question that we'll be able to answer when we sit around this very table Sunday evening for our big review of the action thus far in match day... 26, I'm guessing, 25. by this point. Is it 25 still? Uh, but I, I, I think probably that's where we'll park today's edition. Jack? Uh, it's first interval now. They're just having a little... First interval? First interval. First interval of two intervals. Yeah, there's three, three periods, periods of 12 minutes. Yeah, With 12 minutes each. Lots to like about that yeah. sport, and must necessitate a whole different vocabulary because you can't. There's no first half, second half, is there? You, no. You're talking about thirds. Oh, we made a good start in the first third, but do you I mean, speak there are other as well? Let's do it. The confusion the about the final third as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, pi the pitch is divided into quarters, actually. Okay. Why? Uh, I think for administrative purposes. <laughs> what? So are there four official purposes? Uh, there's three officials. So what third <laughs> official? So the, the center line is to take kickoffs, and that but there are two. The right. penalty areas are kind of straight lines across, right across. across. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, so yeah, there you go. This is uh, we had Ju Julian Laurent explaining handball to us recently. Oh, that's great. And they do love that. Yeah. Uh, and hand, uh, it was a great game as well against. Once you woke up, yeah. I tell you Sweden what. Or Denmark. Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. As a game to play, yeah. handball is enormous Mad. fun. Is it? Yeah, I yeah. had a very random week as a um, work experience teaching assistant in mm. a French lycée when I was about 16, and we played handball in PE, and it's great fun. Good. Yeah. All right. It does look amazing. Good to finish mm. the... Um Good to finish the podcast on some really strong material. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just in case anyone in case anyone has ever, you know, has That's, like an open invitation to come and play handball <laughs> and they're not sure whether to, you know. Do you so speak handball? Yeah. Nice. Tom, please, nice. Yeah. There you go. Watch this space. Um, yeah. Listener, is there a more comprehensive weekend preview out there? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. But I had great fun uh, listening to you guys talk about loads of stuff in this. You know, there's more to life than just match day 25. And we've touched on some of the yeah, really important things, I think, today. Jack Lang, thank you for being here. Thank you. Sort of. Sorry for looking at my laptop for the last That's 20 right. minutes. No, we had, a, we had an issue, listener, with the, with the studio. We started a bit later. That's why. Uh, Tom, lovely stuff. Best of luck with your, your book. Do you speak football? Thank you, and that's out now in shops, and you can probably get a Kindle edition, you know? Yeah. You, you, you got a narrated indeed. version with accents. Not yet. Oh. Get Clarence to do it. Or yeah. Romelu Lukaku. Yeah. Polylingual Romelu Lukaku. Mm. James, lovely to see you, and it will be lovely to see you later on for the Goals Show. Perhaps you'll join us, listener, from 530 TNT Sports Discovery Plus. Goals. And otherwise, we'll be back here Sunday evening for our Premier League Roundup. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.